You're holding your body. How badly were you hurt to the body in the first round? I just got to do number two. What if friends got together and talked as if they were professional fighters, yet with no fighting experience? Well, as Professor Chelsea once said, you are welcome. This is my MMA podcast. Chelsea Sonnen, who faces Anderson Silva. I, I, I love Saturday. it. I love nuisances. I love uh, adversity. I love I love being hurt when I walk to a ring. I don't feel good right now, and I love that. I got like a little stomach bug going around. That's exactly how I'd want to be. Are Drake and Bieber bandwagon fans of the U.S. Oh, uh, I don't know. They just put their opinions out about how, how they were going, going for him. And I'm like, hey, this is America. <laughs> the real fighter, the real martial artist, and the real fan of the sport knew who was going to win that fight. Well, here we are once again for another bold and beautiful episode of the My MMA Podcast. You have made the journey with us all the way to what will be the first and last 15th episode of the show. I am your introductory host of three, Mr. Mark Allen David, and let me say from the bottom of my heart, I love you all. Now with me as always is a father, a brother, a husband, and a friend. He's the seven-time North Carolina yeah. Chipotle burrito eating champion. When he yes, I am. When he gets in a fight with his wife, yeah, he is always graciously willing to admit that she's wrong. And in the immortal words of his longtime hero, he will never say never. He ain't no thing but a chicken wing. <laughs> He's cooler than the other side of the pillow. He's got more scrap than a Tijuana chicken fight. Why don't you say hello to my little friends, Mr. Wesley Edwards? Wait, I'm confused. There's uh, Chipotle, Justin Bieber, and a reference to a movie. What the uh, Scarface what, what the movie is? Scarface. Scarface. Jeez, Scarface. that was my best Scarface uh, impression. His, I, I don't know his name. What's his name? I'm losing his name right now. Al Pacino. Oh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Are we going with Bieber songs, Al Pacino movies, or Chipotle references? I think we're going with Tijuana chicken fights. <laughs> Too late to say that I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Come on. People can say whatever they want. That's a hey, good man. song. Right hey, there. listen. I thought right, I had dude. COVID yesterday, but it turned out it was just Bieber fever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I do. I, don't, I ain't so no shame in my game, baby. It's so dumb. All right. Now, don't you dare think that this bomb track intro of intros is over because, folks, we have saved the absolute best for last. He's so witty, he is known at the local Rotary Club as the Allegheny John Mulaney. He is the www.bomb.com forward slash yeah, boy. He's got more flavor in here than Craig Mack and more wax in his beard than syrup on a flapjack. He's the two-timing, street-rhyming, hill-climbing, diamond of chiming. But his flow looks so easy, cats on the streets just call him Simple Simon. Now take this intro home and holler at your peeps, DJ Trevor Owens. Hey, hey. Dude, I'm thinking Mark needs like his own cameo page. Like, how could you not feel so good about yourself after hearing an intro like that <laughs> i know hey, right? man, even you... with references to my uh beard that doesn't exist anymore but <laughs> will be coming back i assure you what's up guys you guys bring the flavor i just bring the hype you know what i'm saying that's all i'm trying to do i'm trying to teach the world what truth is uh hi <laughs> mma my mma podcast nation i truly appreciate you taking time 
to listen to our podcast. We got great feedback so far, and we're gonna keep this ship a rolling. Keep it rolling. Do do ships roll though? Should should, should I I should have said it's something else, not a ship like something else. The yes. ship a going. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Oh, we will explore that subject later on in the podcast in our segment, Things That Don't Make Any Sense. <laughs> All right. You know what, though? My mama don't like you. She likes, she everyone. likes everyone. Mm. Yes. I love me some Biebs. I need a good joking. one. I got a whole Bieber fever playlist that I play all the time. I don't care about that judgment. Y'all can keep that. He's a genius. Yeah, I mean, genius. we just lost genius. seven listeners, according to the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We already lost those seven listeners. Because of Steven Seagal. Oh, uh, maybe that's lost, it. We just lost the next seven listeners because of Bieber. But you know what? We need. We got to stay true to ourselves. You have to be true to yourself. <laughs> that's true. Isn't there a Justin Bieber song somewhere in that? Uh, I think so. I mean, he's your hero. <laughs> Why don't you tell us? <laughs> Mark, Mark, uh, 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 Marky Mark. Ooh, that should that be your name now? Marky Mark. This question goes out to the Funky Bunch. Let's talk about an athlete's prime, okay? So here's the kind of question I'm going to preface, or I'm gonna, then I'm going to work into a little bit. Does your prime occur at the peak of your physical prowess or when the physical and the experience coincide? For example, we can look at Randy Couture started his career at the same age that Ben Askren retired. Now, I'll tell you this. Most people would agree that physical prowess or your top physical ability occurs in an early age between 22, 26, 27. But we rarely see fighters in the MMA game hit their peak potential into their late 20s or 30s. Now, this isn't this isn't so at all when you talk about sprinters and the Olympics or swimmers. So we talk about this a lot. You always hear this when people are arguing about mixed martial arts. Well, what about this guy and this guy if they were in their prime? And my question is always, what does it mean to be in your prime? All right, Trevor, hit me deep. What do you got? You know, that's a really interesting question. And, and funny you mentioned that. I was actually thinking something very similar last night about when your physical prime is in your mixed martial arts world. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It kind of is that sweet spot when your experience and your physical body are all in uh, a line. I will say this. I think some of this is kind of luck because if you remember... And I don't know how much we credit we want to give Tito Ortiz, but he always claimed a lot of the time that he was very, very hurt. But let me let me come to his defense on this. I think at that time, the UFC was really depending on him to bring in the money for them. So I, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he was pushed to fight. And it wouldn't surprise me a lot if some of these fighters were pushed to fight when they were injured. So, so I just think luck kind of comes into this thing and you come into uh, maybe your champion Championship fight or 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 maybe like a, a high dollar pay per view fight. It doesn't have to be a championship, and maybe you had the best training camp. And maybe you are in your physical peak condition and you get out there and you perform. You know, you got these other guys who maybe weren't as so lucky and they got injured during their training camps or, or whatever. Or maybe something was going on in their lives that they weren't dealing with emotionally. I think luck really has to enter into this, but experience matters. Sometimes fighters, I'm going to use Robbie Lawler for an example. Robbie Lawler didn't get off to the greatest start, but then he really turned around his career and became a very, very prominent fighter, even uh, becoming a 
champion and defending his title. So yeah, I think he was late 33, I think is what it was. I, I think that, you know, fans as a whole have hindsight syndrome because they've seen what happened yesterday. They're an expert on what's happening and we all do it to a certain extent. But what I'm saying with that is it's really easy to tell when a guy's out of his prime, but you don't know until that fight happens where he gets his jaw rocked and cracked and all of a sudden he becomes susceptible to a knockout so in in your prime yeah that's a huge factor yeah. if you think about that when you get you know you we've all know this story right everything was fine to that first time he just got knocked out and then his career changed well some guys are really fortunate to not have that happen and so um to the point though you can say that Ben Askren, Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell is a perfect example. Chuck Liddell, absolutely. Once it started, it just it just kept going. Well, was was Chuck was Chuck actually out of his physical prime, and he just didn't have the competition to expose that until Rampage, it, or was he, or did he just all of a sudden because he was 37, 36, 37, 38, whatever he was when he fought Rampage, it just his body just finally just said nope, we're done. Right. Well, his jaw you know? said no, we're done. It may have not been his stamina, might have not been his everything else in the physical game, but his jaw is done he can't take a punch like he used to so therefore he automatically becomes out of his prime anyway with with that said you know look at ben Askren. it's hard to say whether or not ben Askren came to the ufc in his prime because the truth is is that ben Askren couldn't handle what was happening in the ufc i mean i don't know i mean he fought three fights in the ufc and it's just so speculative i can can answer that yeah go ahead by the by the time he got to the ufc both of his hips were gone Mm -hmm. he literally took that those fights almost Almost as a payday, I think, because he was making three hundred plus thousand dollars. I think to show, right? The guy needs double hip surgery. He needed it before he even came in, into the UFC, and the grind that he's put himself through over the last twenty five years with wrestling, and then ultimately tra- tra- transitioning to MMA in two thousand nine or ten. I mean, his hips were gone. Now, if a Ben Askren 2012, 2013 Ben Askren came to the UFC and he got built up properly, I think there is a lot of potential that he could have been a top five for sure, maybe even been champ. Yeah. Maybe even given GSP a, a run for his money and that GSP wouldn't be able to take him down. But I, I don't know, man. I just think that Ben, well, that's, we that's saw exactly him right. We were never prime. at any point worried about uh, whether or not Chuck Liddell's hips were going to be gone. And that's the thing that I think is different. And what I like about this, this topic is that when it comes to mixed martial arts, to say someone in their prime, it's really contingent on the style of fighting that you have, uh, your your discipline, obviously your age, your mental prowess. How long, like how long are you going in between fights? How hard or how how many big shots are you taking? And and besides big shots, how many big injuries are you taking throughout the course of your? You don't see this yeah, with an true. Olympic swimmer, and you don't see this with a uh, someone like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wasn't worried about his hips going out. He wasn't worried about. You, know, you see what I'm saying? It's just it's different. And to try to mash him MMA into the other world of saying, oh man, the, the bulls of the 90s could never be beaten. And to say that about Vitor Belfort 15 years ago makes absolutely no sense and they're not comparable. So I, I think, I, I guess for me, the, the, the answer to the question is someone's prime is just when they're in their prime and nobody really knows when that is until it's over. I want to add this that's, too. That's sad. That's sad too. Cause it's like, man, Amazon prime and Five is a prime number. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to add, throw that in there. Wow. Um, this this wow. will be entering into the next segment of the show, Things That Don't Make Any Sense. 
I agreed with everything you said Absolutely. about Ben Askren, except I did. I want to add one thing. When Daniel Cormier was talking about Ben Askren, he was saying, that you know, the great. guy almost became champion without learning how to fight because he can't punch that well. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, thing to let, say. I mean, just put it in perspective, though, like people want to discredit that Robbie Lawler win, but, but come on, man. Hit, Robbie's arm fell limp. What What is Herb Dean supposed to do? I, mean, I agree. So I agree so with you. Ben, ben Askren beat a former UFC world champion that is on his resume Mm -hmm. and it's a it's to me as bit as valid win as any win and now a moment with nate diaz i don't like that guy and that's been a moment with nate diaz but listen i got one thing to say i have a lot of fun i had a good run so ladies and gentlemen i'm walking out I appreciate the memories, and goodbye. Mark was just having a conversation just in, in general just about certain fighters, and Chell Sonnen actually came up. And I think because of Chell's later, the, the latter part of his career, as well as his, his sins, his past sins with performance-enhancing drugs, I think there's a lot of speculation on whether or not he was ever really as good as he probably should be given credit for. The I, hype, you mean? Yeah, I think, I think we saw the latter part of Chell's career where he, where he learned to market himself, which made him a millionaire. So, of course, he's going to continue. Mm-hmm. So, for many people, if, if they'll remember, the, the WEC was a viable organization that had top 10, top 5 and even number 1 ranked fighters in their organization. You know, and, and let me let me back up for a second. Chel Sonnen. He, here's a guy who I believe had his first fight in 1997. Think about that. He 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 was a state runner up in wrestling in Oregon. Uh, he went on to wrestle for the Oregon State University, and he was a, I think his highest place was seventh, but he was an All-American for Oregon State. But people forget, the guy was a two-time national Greco-Roman champion in, in college, and he also won a world title in the university, which is basically college-aged wrestlers. He won a world title in Greco-Roman. I think he took second a couple times, took third a couple times. I mean, this is a guy who didn't win a national title in folk style, didn't win a national title in freestyle. But Greco-Roman is a really difficult, difficult style of wrestling and very rough. There's a certain type of person who does Greco-Roman because it's such a violent wrestling sport because there's no, there's really no takedowns to the legs. It's mostly just upper, upper body battles and throws, you know, which ultimately let him become a, a really good fighter in MMA, which, you know, if you want to know another Greco-Roman wrestler that did very well in MMA, look at Randy Couture, mm-hmm. which is who was from Oregon. And then so when Randy Couture was creating Team Quest back in the late 90s. For for some of us, if we'll go down memory lane for a second, Team Quest was one of the first real true teams. You had Matt Linlin, who was a top middleweight in the world, in the room, in the wrestling, in, in the practice room. You had Randy Couture, who we all know very well. You had... People don't for, people can forget, but Ed Herman, who was on the Ultimate Fighter, who's done, who's had a pretty stellar career. You've had Chris Lieben, who's ha, who had a pretty stellar, pretty stellar career. You had Dan Henderson, former middleweight and really welterweight, which was two hundred five and one eighty five in Pride, was the world champion there. Um, you had Chell Sonnen. You had people like Mike Dolce, who's now a diet guru and and helps guys make weight. He was also a part of that team. When you go back and look at the stories and listen to some of the guys who talked about what Team Quest was and the type of training that they were having on a day to day basis, they didn't know how to pull back. So every day was basically like a main event in the UFC. 
just in a wrestling room or a practice room with Team Quest. And I remember listening to this interview with Mike Dolce one time, how he talked about when Chel Sonnen finally made his transition to MMA and everyone kind of knew Chel because he had a reputation of just being a, a really just hard practice partner. I remember Mike saying this. He said, dude, everybody's face, including the guys that you know very well, former champions, their faces would sometimes get low because they knew that when they were partnered up with Chell, it was going to be a rough day. Yeah. And you, Chell seemed let me, to Let me say something real quick. You said something yeah. about Team Quest right there that I think needs to be like really talked about. This is before there was a before. They, they were making this up yeah, as they yeah, go yeah. along. So when they went in yeah, there, they dude. didn't have like, hey guys, we should slow down on this or slow down that. This was best of the best. We're going to get in there. We're going to grind. We're going to fight. These are like straight up assassins. Like these are guys who are coming in there to fight hard and fight fast. And you better be coming in with your A game every single day. It's a little bit different ball game now. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got these guys who are world champions that Chell is competing with. And, and a lot of them won't like give, give the details of what happened in practice rooms. But there's, there's a lot of those guys who just kind of have this little look on their face when they talk about Chell in the practice room. Mm-hmm. Like your Dan Henderson's of the world and your you know, Matt Lindland's of the world. I mean, these guys are like world-class athletes and Chell would go in and he, this is, these are his practice partners. I mean, imagine, imagine the brutality and the violence inside of those practices. But I think people, I'm going to say this because I don't want to give a pass on performance enhancing drugs. Chell is a known cheater. You know, he has said that he has used PEDs, but there's a lot of guys that never got caught that all of us, if we were to speculate, would say, yeah, he was probably definitely doing doing porn. I mean, you got guys like Nate Marquardt, who seemed to fly under the radar as a Christian guy and really sweet guy, really nice guy, got popped, I think, three times for PEDs, something like that. You know, and it's it's always interesting to me when you go down the resume of Chel Sonnen and what he accomplished as a fighter, you know, he never won he never won a UFC title. He was probably within two minutes of winning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people discredited that win by, by or that, how well he did in that fight with Anderson Silva. But, you know, Anderson Silva himself went ahead and just uh, got popped for PEDs a little bit later. So we'll just assume that they were both, that they were both on, the, on something. But Chell, Chell has, some, some pretty, he has some pretty amazing wins. If you guys remember, he beat Jason Miller. Mm-hmm. You guys remember Jason Miller? Oh, yeah. In his, in his second in his second pro fight, he beat he beat um, Renato. I, I don't know if you guys remember Renato Sabral. I mean, that guy was around for forever. I think I think Sabral he fought Chuck twice for titles. I mean, he, he he was around for forever. He beat you know someone like Jason Lambert was an old school guy. Homer Moore, which is a Phoenix guy, way 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 back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he had wins over uh, Trevor Prangley. But but the one that I would say, I mean, there's several. I mean, Nate Marquardt, Yushin Okami, Michael Bisping. Brian Stan, Dan Miller. I mean, these are these are really good wins. Even even Shogun, Shogun Hua, yeah. he has a win over Shogun. He has a win over Vandalay and Quentin Jackson. I mean, these are all former world world titleists and world um, champions that he's got wins over. But the one that I want to sort of focus in on as I kind of wrap this up as on how good Chell was is there was a guy named Paulo Filo way way back I don't know mid mid two thousands two thousand six two thousand five two thousand six two thousand seven who was ranked number one in the world and Chell fought him for the first time in the WEC. This was probably 2006. And Shell did, in fact, lose to him uh, via submission. And of course, you know, he tapped and says he didn't tap. And this was also the time when Shell started to realize that no one was paying attention to him. <laughs> right. And so, and so you also started to see this guy who, who knew he was probably the best fighter in the world for probably five years. 
I mean, if you go back to 2002 and 2003 when he was fighting in Bodog and he had some of these, I mean, and not to mention his confidence of winning fights inside the practice room with the best guys on the planet, with world champions at the time in their respective organization. Chael's in there and he's, he's knocking dudes out. He's submitting guys or he's wrestling them down. He's taking them down. All that. He knew he was probably a top three fighter in the world, but he just hadn't got his shine yet. And of course, you see in 2006, 2007, he, he wins. And then he gets a rematch against Paulo Filo, the champion in the WC. Again, the number one ranked 185-pound champion in the world. And on the weigh-in night, Paulo Filo doesn't make weight. So the commission decides to remove its title contention off of the fight, which was absolutely stupid. Crazy, crazy. One of Chil- the worst, Chil- worst Chil- things that Chil- happened in this, early on in the sport. It was bad. Chill made weight. Chill made weight just fine. But Paulo didn't make weight. And so now it's not a title fight. But Chell went on to dominate Paulo Filo in that fight and win handedly. And so for me, there's always this little thing that always in the back of my head that, I, that at one point in time, Chell, in fact, was a world champion. He just didn't get the belt to prove it. That's very fair. Not only did he change the game in regards to making it fun and the interview style. I mean, I'll never forget when I'm sitting there watching the UFC, he had just beaten Brian Stan and Joe Rogan goes, you know, you coming up against the fence and this was this your strategy. And he's like, Anderson Silva, <laughs> you absolutely suck. One of the greatest moments in UFC. Absolutely. We, we saw what happened in the rematch. If we'll all go back and remember, he beat Paulo Filo fair and square, and he should have been awarded a world title for it. So to me, Chel Sonnen has made the sport fun, and we should all be grateful that he, that he chose to fight because he made us all pay attention. And, um, and he's still doing great you know, things for the sport today. That's that's really yeah. awesome. I I love Chael Sonnen. His, his the greatest segment on ESPN is is Ariel in the back. Yeah, it is. I mean, no question. Wesley, uh, you literally took every point that I had. So you get a Marco Huas foot stomp. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that just happened. That Marco Huas foot stomp. What points did I take? What What are we even talking about? Talking about Chael Sonnen. I was th- I, I was reading your Chell biography. It's, it was awesome, though. I mean, you hit every point that I had. Bam, 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 bam. Paulo Filo. The one thing I will add, though, I did read about Paulo Filo in my Black Belt magazine. So there we go. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> Is that still a thing? Uh, I doubt it. But anyway, so uh, listen, and this week's uh, My MMA podcast was actually sponsored by every key that's on your keychain that you literally have no idea what they go to. So I want to thank all the random keys for the non-memories. <laughs> I've got some news for you guys. Okay. We, uh, talked last, we talked last week about uh, wrestling. We talked a little bit about wrestling, and then Mark brought up a good point between the three different styles of wrestling, Greco-Roman, freestyle, or folk style, which kind of led to the question, which one of those would translate to uh, mixed martial arts? And... Uh, I promised a little surprise here, so the first statement I'm going to read, I actually felt like a journalist. I went out and got some other people's opinions, so I'm going right. to read this statement. Wesley, You, I don't think Mark would get this one, but maybe you'll get who said this, and I'll give you a little uh, information about him. Does that sound fun? Yeah, let's hit, hit me with it. All right. I think all of them, meaning all three different styles, would contribute to improving MMA. Folk style allows for tons of scrambling, which would be more resembling the guard. Freestyle forces the focus on position and dominating the center of the ring. And Greco would help a lot with hand fighting and fighting against the cage. So that person who said that I reached out to 
is a four-time undefeated North Carolina state champion. Who would that be, Wesley? Uh-huh. Uh, that would be John Mark Bentley. That is correct. All right. So that was his opinions. And uh, for those of you who aren't from North Carolina or don't know who John Mark Bentley was, he was undefeated in high school. And he also went up and when the, the national tournament for high schoolers was in Pennsylvania, it was really the best of the best. And he won that too. So he literally went it's crazy. undefeated. Uh, this guy was legit. But here's my surprise. I actually asked somebody else too. Okay. And here's what they said. I think folk style is the best because of all of the mat wrestling you learn to control someone and to keep them down after a takedown. Also, more scrambling uh, translates better to jujitsu. So this uh, person said uh, folk-style wrestling. And I'll give you some clues on this guy. He has actually had wins in mixed martial arts over Paul Daly, Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Dan Henderson, Tyrone Woodley, and Damian Maya. Wesley, do you know who this is? Uh, Wait, say say who the wins are? (laughs) All right. He beat Paul Daly. Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Dan Henderson, Tyrone Woodley, and Damian Maya. Do you know who it is? I, I, I kind of want to say Nate Marquardt. That's 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 a good guess. Jake Shields, uh, baby! Whoa, Jake whoa. Shields! <laughs> Jake Shields responded to my tweet. <laughs> wow. I think that is awesome. <laughs> that is great. That is so great. <laughs> too, too bad he so, was wrong. So to piggyback off kidding. of uh, what my good friends, John Mark Bentley and Jake Shields said, uh, Gre- <laughs> Greco-Roman wrestling, the limitations I feel with Greco-Roman, but, uh, and let me say this though, in, in America, you're probably not going to do just Greco-Roman. You're probably going to be a folk style wrestler who also does Greco-Roman. I think that's fair to say. But anyway, with Greco-Roman, you can attack the legs. It's all upper body, as Wesley said. Uh, before and Couture was a great Greco-Roman wrestler, but he was also second in the nation in NCAA folk style freestyle. I really like freestyle too because it forces the action. Where uh, the new rule is, if you get pushed out or you go out on your own, like Daniel Larusso in his first uh, karate fight, you know he kept fleeing the mat. See, in these uh, rules, yeah. <laughs> he would have gotten docked a couple of points there. Uh, uh, sorry, so hold I'll- on. You're gonna get a Justin Timberlake. Uh- uh, hey, hey, just for bringing up uh, Daniel LaRusso there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm feeling good about that. But, you know, after uh, hearing these guys' opinions, it really did make me appreciate folk-style wrestling because you can score from any position, whereas Greco-Roman and freestyle, if you get taken down, your whole goal is not to get pinned or not to get turned. But in folk-style, you can scramble for position and still try to score. So I thought that said a lot about how important folk-style wrestling is. To MMA, I think it's uh, well. I, I I love this whole conversation right here because I'd never wrestled, but I'm, I I just love the whole like being able to research it is kind of like a uh you know like the, the the guy that doesn't know anything. But like you said, it's interesting. Right, Folk right. style wrestling is it's American wrestling, and then you've got Greco and freestyle. But that's what I think, and we talked about last week. What sets apart the potential of having people come up through the ranks in America is that there's not a discipline in other places that are teaching people what's coming at them. And, and what Wes said, I love the phrase that you said, explosiveness. There's something that's explosive about 
um, uh, American collegiate wrestling that you just don't see in other disciplines. So um, I love that whole thing, that whole conversation there about why the three different ones all have a benefit to uh, mixed martial arts. It was so well put. It was such a great way to approach that. I mean, you got to be slightly impressed that I got those two guys to comment. <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Mark well, Bentley is also the cu- current coach at Appalachian State who's had consistent top 25 teams in the last couple of years. So uh, he's he's still doing his thing. That's awesome. There you go. And that's what's in the news and that's from what's DJ in Trevor. The news. And now a moment with Nate Diaz. So Beaver walks up right now. You say what to him? Smack. <laughs> and that's been a moment with Nate Diaz. <laughs> and now another episode of Overrated, Underrated. Well, well, well. Welcome back to another installment of Overrated, Underrated, the segment of the show where we challenge the status quo of the MMA world with well educated and researched scientific breakdowns of our personal opinions. You boys know the rules. I will give you an idea or a phrase, and you will state your opinion vigorously, followed by a wildly cheerful overrated or a painfully disdainful underrated. Are you ready to rock and roll? Oh, We're so ready. ready. Who's going first this week? Uh, it's Wes's myself. turn. Wes's turn to go first. Okay. Okay. All right. Number one. Khabib's big fuzzy hat or his pupaha, translated roughly into English by most linguistic scholars of the region as hat. Wes? <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I guess uh, uh, I'll just say uh, underrated. <laughs> underrated because maybe it gives him powers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what you just asked me, so I'm going to go underrated. <laughs> this is underrated. definitely definitely underrated just from pure marketability. It, I don't know why fighters don't do more stuff like this. Underrated marketability. Go Khabib. This is a trifecta right here. I'm going totally underrated. I want to get myself a pupaha for every outfit I own. Absolutely underrated. Underrated. Right. Number two. <laughs> Jason Miller's career. Wes? Underrated because he just had some really, really tremendous wins. And I think by the time he made it to the UFC, he had already let his personal life take over. So uh, Underrated because I loved Bully Beatdown. Underrated. <laughs> I'm totally going. Oh, I hated, so bu- I hated Bully Beatdown. Oh, it was so that's awful. contrived. Oh, that's, it was so fake. Wes, come on, man. That's so a boss fake. root so and liver fake. shot for Wes right there. Well, you know what? You guys go both get off Marco who I stomp for liking a dumb show that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm calling Jason Miller's career underrated. I think that, uh, yeah, he did a lot for the sport. And I was going to bring up Bully Beatdown only because it brought a lot of notoriety to MMA at a time when it was still struggling to get off the ground. So underrated on that one. Jake Shields was on that show. So there you go. <laughs> underrated. And it's all coming around, sir. It's all going around circle. All right, number three, boys. <laughs> Chuck Norris's 203 fight winning streak on Walker, Texas Ranger. Wes, overrated <laughs> or underrated? Definitely underrated. I think it was actually more, I think it was over a thousand. They just didn't have enough time to put it in the show. <laughs> right. 
Right. There was definitely footage that they couldn't show just because of the graphic nature, and they couldn't air it later <laughs> on. The Inspirational Network. Underrated. Okay, I'm going definitely with underrated because I'm 100% certain he can hear us right now. Underrated. Number four. John Jones. Hey, pause for pause one second. I don't know if you guys know this, but he is a black belt under Hicks and Gracie. <laughs> really? I think he got that when he was he, uh, 973 years old, I think is what you... I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I just wanted to make <laughs> so sure you guys funny. knew that. Third degree, third degree, by the way. <laughs> Noted. Um, uh, by the way, Chuck Norris gets a uh, Justin Timberlake aha just mm-hmm. for existing. Number four. Hold on a minute. Does Justin Timberlake have an aha? Uh-huh. I, I was hey, going to hey. say, I was going to say, should he get a take on me? It wasn't wait, that aha. Uh-huh. Wait, is it an <laughs> A-hey? What's the matter with on you? Me. Yes. Take on me. Take on me. I'll be in a day or two. And back to Mark. <laughs> Number four, John Jones, 6 and 12 elbow disqualification. Overrated or underrated, Wes? Underrated is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. John John clearly was winning that fight. They should have they should have went to the commission and got it overturned. They still should try. John is undefeated for sure. I think it's underrated and it should have been a no contest. Oof, yeah, I think it's definitely uh or that. It's definitely underrated. I I I'm, that the whole thing's frustrating just because it was early on in the no one knew the rules. The only person that knew the rule was the ref. Everybody else didn't know the rule. Everybody was confused. So it's just the whole thing was silly. Anyway. Underrated. If I can kick you in the face with my shin and knock your head off, how in the world is an elbow going to be any more dangerous than my shin to your face? That's so stupid. It's a dumb rule. And it's still in effect, by the way. It is. Dumb rule. All right. Not like Rex in effect. But here we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Was it? Is that a zoom zoom and a boom boom? If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> We're going to zoom zoom and boom boom on to number five. Uh, Chris Cyborg's UFC hype, overrated or underrated? I think it's probably underrated just because she was definitely a top fighter in the world. It's just the, that those those performance enhancing drugs, they'll catch up with you at times. Trevor? I think she's one of, I think she's one of the greatest female fighters of all time, but I'm going overrated because she came in a little bit too late. I'm going way way overrated. I think that it, she was just a a uh, what do you call it? A tool to help build the the hype of women in the UFC once in oh, oh you know what you know what that's a stock and slap for cutting me off my friend I don't get a buzzer from Wes no buzzers <laughs> well I was gonna say that she became a UFC champion but then you had a really good point so then I had to so you had to go I had to go it's hard to reverse the buzzer it is the the buzzer buzzer when it comes out you know okay it was a good it was a good point so overrated All right, moving on to number six fighters um, expected to be quote unquote always ready for a fight I think that is underrated because I believe that to be true. When you get an opportunity that could change your life, be, be ready for it. So stay instant in season and out of season. Amen. <laughs> Wes, no, 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 no. You got to think longevity here. You can't just take the quick thing. You got to be prepared. And if you're not fully prepared, you should not take the fight. That's overrated. I'm going with overrated. Yeah, too. hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, though, Trevor. I'm going to argue with you. What do you mean? Should you not just be in shape all the time? If you're if you're a professional athlete, in this case, a professional fighter, you don't think you should actually try to be in shape all the time? No, I'm saying there's different 
styles of athletes. There is somebody that's an expert at grappling. You need to prepare for a grappler. There's somebody that's an expert kickboxer. You need to prepare for the kickboxer and do your homework. You think George St. Pierre would take a fight on a moment's notice without going through a training camp? You think any of the greatest fighters of all time in this modern era wouldn't take a full training camp that's at the top of the top? And I'm not talking about the contenders. I'm talking about the champions. Yeah, Tony Ferguson. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, I'm going with overrated for a reason here. Because I feel like that uh, the lower tier fighters are are put in that expectation phase when it's not good for their career overall. And the UFC has done a terrible job of of making um, the ability for them to slide when those situations happen. Instead, they go, this is your shot. Take it whether or not you're ready, whether or not you feel like you could get hurt, whether or not you feel like this is a good fight for you. This is your one shot. It's over. I think it's completely overrated. I think that there's there's way too much at stake to put these fighters in those positions. You think Michael Bisping's win over Luke Rockhold is overrated? No, I think I, I think that putting week. that putting fighters in the position to be expected to be always ready because you got to see fighters in the UFC that are are now up against Dana. When Dana says, "Well, that was your shot. You don't want to take it. Well, now what? I guess you're out." That's that's a bunch of crap. That that should not happen. Case in point, if that's the way the business goes, then I guess you better be in the gym because that could be your opportunity. Because what if Conor McGregor chose not to fight Chad Mendez it's on not, two weeks' notice? It's not about being in the gym. It's about having a strategic game plan Absolutely. for your specific opponent. Yeah, but I'm saying... Uh, this, isn't this isn't yeah, street yes, fighting. This isn't street fighting where you take whoever you want. You have to be prepared. This is professional fighting where both people have built up their resume to go into the octagon and see who's best. You wouldn't I tell you one thing, you wouldn't play a football game without looking at the other team's footage. You wouldn't show up without coming up with a game plan to beat that team. There's no other sport that you wouldn't look at somebody else and try to prepare for that specific opponent. So you saying Michael Bisping should not have fought Luke Rockhold. Is that what you're saying? No, we're saying that... that I, well, Are you saying Connor shouldn't have bought Chad Mendes since he only had I, a week to, to what, prepare for that? What, I, what I'm saying is if they say no, it shouldn't count against them. They That's should have right the right to say yes or to say no absolutely without without the fear of, course of retaliation they, of course they should have the right to say yes or no i'm just saying you only get your, your window inside of fighting is what five years most of for, the time. for most fighters well mine and is zero fi- and then <laughs> i'm just saying you have let's just say five prime good years if we were talking about being in your prime there's the word prime and you're and and you're not going to make every opportunity to get what you can in a sport that doesn't pay as well as say boxing or either other professional sports my my contention and my argument is that stay ready so that you can actually take advantage of the opportunity aka michael bisping who became a world champion and, on a week's notice and i contend to you if you're not ready for a specific opponent and you go in there and get slaughtered you have ruined your career and your momentum absolutely no, i disagree i think it's it kind of goes both ways it's a this is a good one it's a good one i disagree vanderlei silva could we could say it didn't mess up his career yeah but he took a couple short yeah that's fights. great that you I mean, we you go, can name the so guys many, that it worked for but how many of the guys did it not work for can you name there's a lot of guys there's more guys that you, there's just as many guys that it worked for as much as it didn't work but we don't for know the guys that of. it didn't work for because they got hurt they got injured how about how about Chris Wyman when he fought Damian Maya on two weeks notice. Yeah, but again, when you're talking about everybody him? you're naming is a legacy fighter. I know, but there's so, but we're talk, there's a hundred of those, bro. So like as many as you could mention that that, that would not have worked out for, I could mention to you a hundred that it would have worked out for, which is why I'm, I feel like I'm right. How's, uh, <laughs> what's, what's, uh, what's Chad Mendez doing now? He's a hunter now. 
but I do have that's, a point. But I do have, but I do have a point, don't I? What's Chad Mendez doing now? Mm-hmm. He oh, took that uh, fight. Uh, he took that fight short notice, too. and his career didn't go anywhere from there. His career, his career didn't go anywhere because he took PEDs, bro. He got caught. Yeah, like that's like why Chael his career Sonnen didn't go anywhere. And uh, Anderson Silva. That's the reason. Yeah. And speaking and of Mendez, just, what about the Mendez brothers? Kidding. Where are they at today? They're still in prison. Which ones? What about the Jonas thought- brothers? Where are they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Remember, are we on that? <laughs> what are we talking yeah, well, about? What? <laughs> it's just cracking me up. Are you guys ready to move on? Or, or Wes, do you want to beat up Trevor later after the show? <laughs> <laughs> No, I just think I just I just think you, I just disagree with you guys. That's all. And I had to, I had to I had to make uh I like, make a point. I like the fire in the in the, the burning about, fire. Here's another one, guys. What's that? Just another one came up. How about Nate Diaz on two weeks' notice? Huh? How's his career going after he beat Conor McGregor on two weeks' notice? Should he have not done that? He didn't have time to prepare. Yeah, but that's not we're saying that they shouldn't have done it. It's that it's the expectation fighters expected to be when when you got a guy like Nate Diaz. And he, if he would have said, no, I don't want to take the Connor fight for good reason, he's too big of a fighter for people to really care. Yeah, he had an opportunity, but he could have, he still had a career. You got other guys that might have picked up that fight right there, and it would have been a terrible idea, but they knew that they had to get into the fight or else that could potentially ruin their career. And I, I just think that there's a better way to do that. I do think that there is. But hey, for, for sure. All I'm saying is that I would say that if you've got a five-year window, stay freaking ready because you never know because that opportunity that you may that may cost you your career could also be the one that makes, that makes you a millionaire Absolutely. And, and create a legacy. But if the fighter knows that, he shouldn't take that fight. If he doesn't feel ready, he should be able to say, no, I'm not ready yet. And that's okay. Man, this this right here is fighters. an entire set. We should have just done an entire segment on question number six. <laughs> wow. We're not even to question seven yet. I know, right? Are right, you ready for question seven? I'm so what, ready. Wes, okay. are you ready? Oh, 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 for your 20-minute monologue on this answer. Burn. I'm cutting that out. I'm cutting that out. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Uh, number seven, Vitor Belfort as being perceived as as having the quote-unquote killer instinct, overrated or underrated, Wes? Wait, am I saying, do I agree with it? That yeah. That he has a killer instinct? Uh, 100%. Did you see when he beat John Hess <laughs> way back in the day? <laughs> but he was on uh, performance-enhancing drugs, so it doesn't count. Underrated. 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 Uh, I say I say overrated. I think Vitor was a very good athlete, but you're if you're talking about the hype, I still don't think he ever reached the hype. Now, as far as me as a mixed martial arts fan, I'd say underrated. But I say if you're talking about the hype, no, he never reached the hype. I'm going to definitely go with underrated because I don't want to get in trouble with Wes on number seven. <laughs> underrated. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. A little something here in the in the, in the the more uh, daily news. Number eight, overrated or underrated Luke Rockhold talking about making a comeback. Wes Overrated, underrated. That is completely overrated. He got his head knocked off. Speaking of Michael Bisping, he got re-decapitated when he fought Yoel Romero. His, he's gone. His, 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 I can't see a, a resurrection here. Is that the first time the word re-decapitated has ever occurred in English history? Because that is a phenomenal mixed martial arts term. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kudos Absolutely. to Wes. Kudos, Kudos to Wes. Overrated. 
Same reasons. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna go totally with overrated. overrated. Just let it go. You've got you got too much to lose, and and it's just kind of painful to watch. I don't know. I can't see how you can make a plan for it to be worth it. So, all right. Painful. Yes. Number nine. Let's go with uh, Nate Diaz interviews. Wes, overrated or underrated? Definitely underrated because just because it's Nate Diaz. <laughs> it's just because it's it. Nate Diaz. <laughs> Fair enough, Trevor. <laughs> Underrated. I'm going to compare him to a wrestler named uh, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. His <laughs> interviews were always like train wrecks, but you just had to watch. Go, Nate Diaz. You keep talking. Okay, I'm going to go with underrated uh, because uh, 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 underrated. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's like whatever. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. All right, I totally everybody's didn't intend ster- this. Everybody's on steroids. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Nate Diaz steroids, never yeah. listens to this podcast <laughs> and finds me. He, all, right. all right, wait, wait. We all we all get three Stockton slaps from Nate Diaz right now. Oh, fair enough. Him up on this podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, uh, I love this. I was totally not expecting this. Kind of brought up in conversation before, but number ten is is this overrated or underrated West? The Ben Askren stoppage win over Robbie Lawler. Underrated because people want to say that that wasn't legit stoppage. It was a legit stoppage. His arm went limp. What's Herb going to do? He's got. He's got. He's got to call it. I completely agree with Wes. I I never thought that that uh, fight was anything but a win for Ben Askren. So I will say this: I think that it is possible that Lawler wasn't out, but I don't think that's the point. I think the point was is that it was it was so clear to everybody else that it was perceived that way that did you really have no choice but to but make that decision. It did seem a little bit odd that Robbie popped up so fast and it did not look like he was coming, you know, out of the out of the darkness, but still that's just how the fight game rolls, man. If 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 you're in that position, you better start putting a thumb up in the air saying I'm good. So it's Can I ask you guys a question? Do you, do, you, do, do you guys think he was going to get out of that? I, I think, think he'd have he to endure a while because I don't. I don't think you can hold that choke for that long. I just don't. I think after a time of squeezing, your arms get tired. But I don't think so. I think Ben would have held it as long as he could till he would have completely gone unconscious. Yeah, it's a fifty-fifty. It's possible it could have happened, and it's possible that it couldn't. It's kind of. It's just so irrelevant. <laughs> Underrated. Just don't know. It's one of those weird things. So anyway, with that said, that has been this week's segment of Overrated, Underrated. And now, Wes, you have something you'd like to say. Yeah. Should Seth Petrozelli taken a 24-hour fight notice uh, against Kimbo Slice? Should he have taken that fight? There we go again. Should have should he have been ready for that one? 24 hour ready. He Maybe should have hours. He should have had the choice. How's that company doing? <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, once he beat Kimbo Slice because he took a short notice fight because he was May he rest times. in peace. Instant in season and out of season. Along and, uh, with this company, argument. Maybe the company rest in peace too. <laughs> no, my cousin Charles, who uh, is like a brother to me, actually bought me a shirt for my birthday from from Conor McGregor's McGregor's Conor McGregor's company, the, the proper twelve company and the shirt, the all for one shirt actually is going to all the people who are who are struggling with COVID nineteen um, and hospital workers, hospitals. The proceeds, all the proceeds from the shirt. So if you go Google proper proper twelve all for one T shirt, it'll come up and you'll see where you can buy one. All the proceeds to that shirt goes to anybody that is struggling with the COVID nineteen that's inside of a hospital. So it's pretty pretty cool calls that Mr. McGregor started, especially with all of his influence. Absolutely great guys, cause. It's guys, cool. and I just thought of another one. Dion Primetime Sanders. 
Okay, that's all. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Trevor. Anyway, as always, we are super grateful to everyone who takes the time to listen to the show. We absolutely love feedback and engagement, so please give us your thoughts. And specifically, if you have any topic ideas or something that you would like to hear on the podcast, please let us know on the My MMA Podcast Facebook page. And also, please take a minute to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or your platform of choice. It helps people find us. And honestly, it makes us feel good, too, especially Wes, because he has an extremely fragile ego. We don't like to talk about that, but we'll get into that next week <laughs> when we are back with more fun and banter. We look forward to seeing you or actually hearing you then. Love you all, my MMA podcast nation. Have a great week and stay healthy out there. Trevor. Is it too late to say that I'm sorry? Mm. Words of One Direction. It's too late to apologize. <laughs> uh, that's one rep- That's one okay, republic. That's three, three Stockton slaps for getting One Republic confused with One yes. Direction. Jeez. Remember that yeah, band? I know the direction. I know the direction. Down, because they were both terrible. Okay, that's... One Republic is awesome. You need All to right, slow please. it down, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace. Bye.